This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The biggest battle we will ever have to face is the battle between you and you. It's the battle of taking your mind to that limit and then breaking through. On the Mindful Experiment podcast, we will share concepts, universal laws, and interviewing individuals who have done just that, who have gone through the dark times and through those moments, allowed their light to shine bright. I'm your host, Dr. Vic Manzo, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and taking this journey with me as we discover different avenues to break through those limits, expand your reality, and evolve into the person you desire to be. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Vic, and you're listening to The Mindful Experiment. Uh, today's guest we have on the show is Anthony Young. He's a medical doctor and uh, actually a plastic surgeon, and he's known as America's Holistic Beauty Doc and one of the country's most recognized plastic surgeons. He's the host of the popular podcast, The Holistic Plastic Surgery Show. Dr. Young is also the author in Stitches, his critically acclaimed and award-winning memoir of Becoming a Doctor by Gallery Books, Simon and Schuster, 2011. And The Age Fix, a leading plastic surgeon, reveals how to really look 10 years younger, Grand Central Lifestyle and Hatchet, 2016. The latter was adopted into a successful public television show, which has been viewed by millions. Dr. Young is also a regular expert on The Rachel Ray Show, The Dr. Oz Show, The Doctors, and many more national television programs. He's named a top plastic surgeon by the U.S. News and World Report, Town and Country, and Harper's Bazaar. Dr. Young is a member of the American Society of Plastic Surgeons, the American Society of Aesthetics, Plastic Surgery, and a fellow of the American College of Surgeons. I had a great time chatting with Dr. Young. It was interesting because as a chiropractor, we normally don't get along with um, surgeons. Um, and there's a lot of 
misnomers, lack of knowledge, and a lot of reasons behind that. We kind of touch base on that a little bit uh, in the beginning of the podcast, but it's one of the things where we we, we dove deep and, and, and where Dr. Young comes from, I greatly appreciate what he does and his viewpoint on things and how he sees it uh, from a doctor to doctor perspective. And so this is a really short, um, shorter than normal interview, but it was really in depth with packed with a lot of great info and we dive into a lot of different things, hearing about what he went through as a young doctor to how where he is now and how he leads the way and what he does and how he all about, you know, how does a surgeon, how are they playing God? And then what are the things behind that? So with no further ado, here is Dr. Anthony Young. Dr. Anthony, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I'm very excited. I'm intrigued. As a chiropractor, I love, you know, the title of your book, everything you do, you know, the cliche of sometimes chiropractor surgeons, we don't get along. (laughs) Um, I am the type of doc where it's like, hey, you know, there's a time and place for everything. So it's one of those things. So I'm really excited to dive into uh, everything, your book and all about you. So again, just appreciate you having you on. Yeah, thank you. And I, you know, I, I hear you. Uh, there was a time when, when I was in my training, where you mentioned chiropractic in a room of surgeons, and you get Snickers. <laughs> and unfortunately, I think there still is that in, oh, yeah. in old school medicine today. And uh, one of the big things that I'm really passionate about is sharing the message that, you know, we're all members of a team, you know, and that's this, the idea of being a modern or a holistic surgeon is that, it's not the doctor God mentality anymore, and, and it shouldn't be, uh, although it does take time for that all to change over. <laughs> I could agree with you more. Uh, in chiropractic, you know, when we, when we go into chiropractic school, they always ask, what's your story? And the story is what pulled you or what drawed you to be a chiropractor. And so what, what um, got you to be a surgeon? What was it that kind of inspired you? Yeah, for me, it was this idea, this this belief that I wanted to do something to generally help people. Um, but if it was all just altruism, then why would I not be a social, uh, uh, like a social worker or work in nursing homes? You know, so there was this idea that I wanted to help people, but my parents really pushed me to be a doctor, specifically a surgeon. So my parents grew up in Korea. My dad was an old school Korean doctor where he believed all of his all of his kids should be physicians and not only just a physician but a transplant surgeon or a vascular surgeon or a cardiac surgeon like these high powered surgical specialties and it just wasn't my thing i'm just not that type of personality so there was one day when i was uh, uh, in medical school in a pediatrics where um I was on call one night as a, as a medical student with the pediatrician, and we were called in to the ICU to see this horrifying sight of this little girl uh, who had been attacked by a raccoon. Uh, the parents, who were young and, and not very intelligent, left their little baby at home in their barn, basically, with a wild raccoon. And, when they, and they went to the bar. And when they came back from the bar, the raccoon was in the baby's bassinet eating the baby's face. And oh, man. they brought the baby to the hospital and, you know, it was just this horrifying sight. But then to see how the plastic surgeon who came in to consult on the patient, um, what he talked about and, and the various things that they can eventually do, that was the beginning of really getting me hooked on the field of plastic surgery. Well, that's pretty cool. And that's an interesting uh, way of, uh, you know, opening the door for you on that. 
Yeah. And, and since then, I mean, I do mainly cosmetic surgery now. I've done a lot of reconstruction in the past. Um, but, you know, the way that a lot of plastic surgeons' careers go is you start doing a lot of the reconstruction and then gradually, you know, go into more of the cosmetic stuff. Gotcha. And let, let's, let's, this will lead right beautifully into the book, Playing God. Let's, let's dive in. What's it, what's it all about? How's it, you know, I'll let you just share. Yeah. So there, um, you know, the, the title you think playing God, well, who does this guy think he is that he's playing God? And it's actually the opposite. So, you know, just to tell you where it came from, I had a patient uh, many years ago who came to see me. She basically was an older woman who was um, hobbling into my office on a cane. And she comes up to me, she says, Dr. Yoon, will you please help me? And I said, well, sure, what can I do? She says, she said, I've seen 15 other plastic surgeons and every single one has turned me down. Uh, nobody will help me. Can you please, you're my last hope, you're the last one on my list, can you please help me? So I said, well, what happened? And she said, well, I, I lost some weight and I had a tummy tuck and then everything fell apart. I developed flesh-eating bacteria, my tummy turned black and all the skin died. And she said, I was in the hospital for months having skin grafts and, and, and reconstructive surgery. And now that it's many, many months later, I'm in horrible pain. My husband won't even look at me. And she said, you know, the worst thing is, is that I have a grandchild that I can't play with. And that's all I want to do is if you could just help me play with my grandchild again, that's all I ask. So I take a look at her chart and she is a medical walking disaster, basically. She's diabetic. She's had heart attacks. She's got stents in place. She's on blood thinners. She's got psychiatric medications, like everything, <laughs> everything that she could have, she has, and is not the patient that you ideally want to do a cosmetic operation on. So she looks at me, she says, I know everybody's turned me down. Will you please help me? You know, I don't have any life. And, and if you don't operate on me, I just, there's no reason for me to even go on. So, you know, as a doctor, the first thing you want to look at is risk and benefit. And, and you look at this and, you, and, and everything says risk super high, but benefit super high too. So I had just this sense, and there are times as a surgeon, you know, and you may feel in, you know, as a, as a doc as well, that, that there are times for you too, where I felt that um, called to basically do this. I felt that it was the right thing to do. And even though everything on paper said, don't touch this woman, you know, she's a walking uh, complication waiting to happen. I felt the need to do it. So the night before her surgery, I'm lying awake in bed and I pray for her and I pray that I will be able to help her because God, for, you know, God knows that she could die on the operating room table the next day. So I bring her to surgery the next day and the surgery goes absolutely perfectly. And I feel as if my hands are being guided, you know, by somebody from up above. And six weeks after her surgery, she comes into my office and she's walking in, no cane with a big smile on her face, carrying a carrot cake that she baked for me. Now, I'm not sure, you know, about you, Victor, but I try not, I don't eat food that patients bring in for me that they make at home because God knows, I don't know what their kitchen looks like. I don't know if they're cats that are pooping on their countertops or what. <laughs> so I like, oh, thank you. And she said, you, and, and her insurance, of course, rejected the surgery, claimed that it was cosmetic, even though it wasn't. And she said, Dr. Yoon, I don't have any money to pay you for your surgery, but will you take this carrot cake in full as payment in full? And I said, well, of course I will thinking that I'm just going to eat this later, or I'm going to give it to somebody else. <laughs> My employees can eat it. And she said, you know, I've got to tell, I've got to ask you something. I said, well, what? And she said, well, first I want to tell you something. I said, what is that? And she said, yesterday I played with my grandchild for the first time in over a year. 
And then she said, I need to ask you, why did you do it? Uh, I said, well, do what? And she said, why did you take a chance on me when everybody else turned me down? And I said, you know what? I felt that this was just the right thing to do. And that no matter what happened, it was it was the thing I was called to do and that somebody's watching out for us. And this is when she said, you know, Dr. You and other doctors, they, they act like they're playing God, but not you. Why is that? And that's where the title of my book, Playing God, comes from. Uh, and, I saw, and she said, well, why is that? And I said, well, I don't play God. I actually need God to help me because I can't do this alone. Um, and so I think, you know, we take care of patients and we know that as they heal and as they do well, and it's not just us, there's so many other factors involved from the support staff to the patient, to the family, to yes, even a higher power that sometimes, you know, we feel watching over us. I love that. What a story too. Uh, you know, and, and that sometimes it's, it's, it's not all black and white, right? It's that like, yes, this is what I see. This is what I was trained. This is this, but man, I just feel some pull. I feel something. And then you just trust it. And then you just, yeah, I love how you say, I prayed the night before and just please guide me. And hopefully it all this, this goes the way I'm, I see it happening. Yeah. And you just never, I mean, you never know what's going to happen the next day. And, um, and so I think there are times where you just know that that no matter what happens, if you do what you feel is the right thing, that usually, usually things work out in the end. Have you ever had the opposite where you may have had a regret? Oh, yeah. Um, so I was early in practice and this was one of my, um, I literally was in practice just a few months. I had this patient come in and um, and this was a story from my book, uh, Playing God as well, where she um had surgery by a different doc. And she said, Dr. Ian, I was botched. Can you please help me? Okay, <laughs> please help me. And she was uh, tears in her eyes. She said, I had a facelift. I had my eyelids done by this doctor. And I found out later, he wasn't even a real plastic surgeon. And, and this guy, this quack botched me. And so I looked at her and she had a little bit of jowls and this and that. And I'm like, oh yeah, we, you know, we can try to, you know, let me see what I can do. You know, we can try to fix it up, make it look better. So I don't charge her much. I say, look, let me discount my fees big time for you. And let's see if we can just make, you know, something bad, a good thing. So I bring her to surgery several weeks later and everything goes very smoothly. She comes back in a week. Uh, I think I did a facelift. I did um, a brow lift and a few things. She comes back a week later. Everything looks like it's healing great. Three weeks goes by and she comes back and she says, um, something is horribly wrong. And I said, well, well what's going on? She, she hadn't even come in the office. She called the office actually. And she said, I'm not going to come in until you send me to somebody to take care of, to, to look at me, to see what you did wrong. So at this point I'm early in practice, you know, just a few months and I am nervous. I'm like, well, what, what did I do wrong? You know, what's going on? Is her face melting away? You know, she's got a horrible infection. So I send her to the chief of plastic surgery at my hospital and she comes back to see me a week later storming in my office and said and screaming you botched me you botched me and I look at her and, I, and she looks great everything is healing fine the incisions are healing fine no infection no lumps nothing and she said I saw this doctor you referred me to and he said that I'm a train wreck so I'm looking at her and I said no you're not like everything looks fine and she starts ramping up and she says you botched me she said you made me look oriental like you oriental and I'm thinking like, oh my gosh. And then she starts threatening me. And she says, if you don't pay me $1 million, I will destroy you. She said, I know all the important people in this town and I will destroy you if you don't pay me $1 million to fix what you did to me. 
And I said, well, I don't, I don't have a million dollars. I don't have anywhere near that. Then she drops down to $150,000. You pay me $150,000 or I will destroy you. I will, I, and then she starts screaming, I will send you back to Beverly Hills, which is where I did my fellowship training. And she goes, where the only people that will let you operate on them are the whores. And she starts screaming, the whores, the whores, the whores at the top of her lungs in my office. So I had gotten a thought that things were going to go bad before she came in. And so I wrote a checkout for her for the cost of her surgery and more. I mean, so more than, I mean, the money she gave to the hospital, to the anesthesia, all of that out of my own bank account, I write this check for, and I have this release set aside in case that things were going to go ugly, which I thought maybe that would happen. So she's screaming the horrors, and then she drops it down and says, carte blanche, uh, you pay for three years of whatever surgery I want from whoever I want for three years, or I will destroy you. And I said, look, I can't do that. I said, I've got to check here for you know, more than what you paid for the operation. I said, I'll, I will give this to you, but you need to sign a release and we can say that we're done. I go, because I think you've healed fine. And, and everything looks fine. I'm trying to be calm, even though on the inside, I'm freaking out. And she <laughs> says, you smug little ant. You think you're going to pay me off with this, this measly amount of money. She throws a check in my face and storms out the door. And at that point, I am freaked out. And I remember my old mentor in LA used to tell me the story about this woman that he operated on. And she uh, stalked him afterwards. And he said, I would look out my window and I would see her like hiding in the bushes in front of my house. So I call him up after this. And I go, this woman is so mad at me. She's threatening to destroy me. Uh, what did you do with that woman who was, who was stalking you? And he goes, oh, yeah, simple. I hired a few guys to beat her up. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Just find a few guys in your town and, and tell them you need the good fella special. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> So as I hang up the phone, I'm like, what am I going to do? Bang, 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 bang. She's banging on my door, uh, on the outside door. My staff all hide under their desks. I go over and I open the door. She storms in, takes the check, signs the release, gets in my face and says, this is not over and storms out the door. And so she, she signed the release, meaning that our you know relationship is over. She took all this money and like, that's it. Well, this whole thing devastates me because I'm new in practice and now this woman hates me and I think I destroyed this woman's life and this and that and I must be such a crappy doctor. And, and then a few days later, I get a call from her mom, calls my office. My office says, you've got to call this woman, you know, her mom back. I go, well, what's going on? She said, her mom says she's suicidal. She needs you to call her back. So now I'm thinking, holy cow, did I botch this woman so badly that she's going to kill herself for this? So I call her mom up and I said, you need to call the hospital. I mean, you need to call the police and have your daughter brought to the hospital. And she goes, why would I do that? I go, if she's suicidal, you need to bring her to the hospital so she doesn't hurt herself. And she starts laughing and she goes, that was a figure of speech. She needs more money to fix what you did to her. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So she got her 80 some year old mom to call and to try to shake me down for even more money. So that was a lesson, you know, this patient, you know, really, and, and part of this was my fault. I should have noticed she had body dysmorphic disorder, body dysmorphia. What she saw in the mirror was something different than what everybody else sees. And so where I saw and anybody else would see a really nice result, she thought she looked hideous and that she was deformed. 
Uh, and, and then she found a young, naive doctor to basically, you know, attack uh, in many, many ways. Uh, yeah, so that was one definitely for the record books where, yeah, I regretted operating on her for a very, very long time afterwards. That's very interesting. And you have, I mean, you know, we, it's, it's called practice for many reasons, right? And it's one of those things where, you know, it, do you, is there ways now that you've put in systems where, okay, I got to make sure that they're, they're, they're solid here on a mindset level before I, I do this type of stuff so it doesn't happen again? Yeah. And a lot of it really is sitting down, talking with them and then seeing, you know, one of, there's, there are red flags that we look for in plastic surgeries. So, you know, uh, one of them is, um, concerns that are out of proportion to reality. So for her coming in, being all teary and saying, look, I was so botched and this and that. And she was, I mean, she didn't get a great result, but it wasn't that bad. Um, that should have, you know, that should have, you know, kind of been a signal for me to, okay, maybe this isn't the right thing. And I think the other thing that I made a mistake with is that, you know, here I am, I'm, the, I'm an Asian American doctor. I'm the nice guy. I'm the one who's always, you know, grew up being uh, the, the one that you always defer to authority. You defer to people who are older than you. you. You're always nice and you're polite and you're kind. And I let this woman walk all over me, you know, and she saw weakness. Weakness when she came in saying that, hey, I'm botched. I didn't argue with her and say, no, you're not. You look fine. You know, when she started threatening me, I should have shut her down right there and said, look, this is not a discussion we're going to have. And I should have said, you know, you need to leave. Um, but I didn't because I kept trying to keep the peace and, oh, sit down. Let's talk this through. Let's talk this through. Because I think I was so afraid of my reputation and so not, not knowing what to do in this situation. All right. I could, I could totally relate and I totally understand. So it's, uh, it, it's one of those things. Um, how does, you know, God complex, as we're, we're, we're sticking on the God side of things, how does that, um, well, first of all, what does, for the listeners, because some may not understand, what does that mean in the medical field? So there is this saying in the medical field, to cut is to cure. Uh, another way to say it is the only way to heal is with cold steel. And they all really reference the fact that as a surgeon, the uh, epitome, or, or not the epitome, but the apex of what you want to hit is surgery. You want to operate on people. And, 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 and what that has done, especially in the field of plastic surgery, it has caused people to overoperate. And, and because, you know, when you're in your training, it's like the, 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 the exciting days, the good days are the days that you're doing these massive operations. Um, and so you want to get to do those, you want to do those operations. But on the flip side of it, because of that, they do get this God complex because they believe that they are changing these people's lives and only they can do this, this type of surgery. Uh, and it has caused in old school medicine, it to be a very top down type of a situation where if you are a medical student, you are a peon, you know, you're basically crapped on. If you're an intern, you're pretty much the same. And as you work your way up, you get crapped on less and less and less. But then what happens is, is that because you have been treated so poorly throughout your training, a lot of surgeons get bitter and they tell themselves, when I get to that point, you know, when they're a medical student or an intern or resident and they're getting just hammered by all the hours they're working and people are treating them poorly and the doctors are talking down to them, they say, when I get to that level, I'm going to tell, I'm going to treat people this way too. And, and it has been this vicious cycle of surgeons where you get these horrible people that treat young people poorly, turning them into horrible people, and it continues going on. Now, I tell you, Victor, 
this is changing. And, you know, and the subtitle of my book is The Evolution of a Modern Surgeon. The doctors today are not like the doctors of old. You know, the generations coming up now are much more um, open and they're much more understanding and they understand that they're part of a team. They're not this God person that rules over everybody. Uh, and, and I think that's all for the better. And that's the better for our patients, too. I couldn't agree with you more there. Um, but also, would you say sometimes to like, you know, patients will give like, give that doctor that aspect, like, especially I know for like surgeons too, because I'll hear from patients. I like, I know once I have this, I'm going to be good because the doctor is going to help me and we're going to get to that level and it's going to be this way. Yeah. Um, giving them that, like, as we said, like the God role, the playing the God role. Um, um, why do you think that happens? What, what, what's your been experience and, and, and your understanding with it all? Well, I think that a lot of times, especially in surgery, when you get to that point where you need to have an operation, um, you are desperate and you really, and, and it's scary and you really do look to somebody to have confidence in and, and that person obviously is going to be your surgeon. So it's just natural when you are in a scary situation to put your trust and your hopes and belief on that person. You know, it's not going to necessarily be the nurse or the support staff and, and, and people who are super important to the whole thing, you know, really the figurehead is always going to be the doctor. Cause that's the one that really does make the final decision of what are we going to do in this operation? You know, how's the operation work? So, you know, I think that's necessary. And I think that the problem lies though, with that is, you know, when you put your hopes on somebody and that person um, can only be right or correct so you've got doctors where they can't admit that they made a mistake or they can't admit that they've had a complication. And that's really when it's important to have more of a modern type of a surgeon because, you know, any doctor who gets a good result can be praised by their patient. And, and, and whether you have good bedside manner or not, like they'll be praised by the patient because they got a good, nice result. But what if you don't get a good result? What if you have a complication? And, and now that doctor can admit that there's a complication there. And I have seen that. There's a story in my book about an orthopedic surgeon who had an infected knee joint and brought in all these doctors to try to, to, to help treat it. But he would never admit that it was his knee joint, the, the prosthetic device he put in the, in the knee that was infected. And so I did a surgery to try to move muscle over that, that area that was draining pus for months before I came in. When it kept draining pus, he ended up blaming it on me. And said that it was my fault that her that her knee was draining pus. And in fact, even though it was draining pus for months before I came along, and so so that's I think that the the problem that we get in the whole playing God mentality is you get these surgeons who can never admit they're wrong, and patients can suffer from that, you know. And like I said in my book, there are numerous instances where patients have suffered needlessly because old school, old fashioned surgeons could not. Um, deal with the fact that that sometimes their results aren't perfect. We're all human in some way or form, right? Yeah, um, and it's sad that sometimes we can't admit our mistakes. One last, question, one last question, question I have is, how does God help you be a better surgeon? Well, I think with, with me, I, I do think that there are those times, like the time I told you earlier, where if you look at everything on paper, you would go one way but you decide to go a different way because of a gut feeling. And sometimes I do think that gut feeling is God telling you, okay, even though this woman has multiple medical issues, even though she has a setup for complications, even though 15 other doctors have said, I'm not going to do this, you know that 
you know, you, you can at times get this feeling that it's the right thing to do. It doesn't happen all the time. And yeah, I do turn people down for surgery and there are people who I, but you know, I won't operate on, but every once in a while you get that person where you say, you know what, it doesn't make sense that we, that, you know, on paper, it doesn't make sense that you should take this risk, but you know that this is the right thing to do. And you know what, Victor, most of the time when you do that, things end up working out for, for the best. I couldn't agree more with that. Doc, how can we, uh, how can listeners get a hold of you, your book, where can they get it at? And how can they follow you wherever you're at on, if you have social media and all that? Yeah. So my book is called Playing God, The Evolution of a Modern Surgeon. It's available at bookstores on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Uh, it's on an ebook as well. Uh, I am on, uh, a lot of people follow me on Instagram. So find me at Tony Yoon MD on Instagram. I also have a website, dryoon.com. We've got a ton of information there as well. Awesome. This will be on the show notes. Um, Doc, it was a pleasure. Um, it's, it's, it's for me, it's nice to hear from a surgeon from the way you come from it. Um, it, it is. And it's nice because uh, there is a little bit of a shift. And where I'm at in Chicago, I don't see it too much yet. I mean, we get glimpses of it. Yeah. Um, but it's nice to hear that and what you're doing. So kudos to you and everything that you're up to and, and the way you take care of your patients and how you, you come from a very heart concept. I, uh, I greatly appreciate that. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For past shows, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. I hope this show inspired you and added to your life to help you on the journey to rediscover who you really are. To connect with us on Facebook, please visit www.facebook.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. Check us out on Twitter. The handle is drvic 21 Follow us on Instagram, www.instagram.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. If you were inspired by the podcast, pay it forward by sharing it with someone who you know can benefit from it. Thank you again for listening to the Mindful Experiment podcast, sharing paths to help you rediscover your infinite potential. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing it with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.